morning, everybody. It's great to see you. How you doing? Good. It's, if we haven't met before, my name is Adam. I'm the newish lead pastor of Highway Community, and I've been making the joke the past few weeks that I'm the long-tenured pastor of Highway. I'm going to stop making that joke because someone came last week for the first time in a while, and they talked to me afterwards, and they were like, I walked in, I was like, how long have I been gone? It's a long-tenured pastor of Highway. It's not long. I think we're on week number six, and it has been so great. Uh, I want to start our time with a little uh, just family business. So if you're newer with us, uh, visiting, you can get on your phone right now and tune out for a bit. Uh, just kidding. Don't do that. Um, but, uh, you know, the end of the year is an important time for nonprofits and churches when it comes to giving and generosity. And uh, that is very true for us as well. And so just quick word on that as we think about this end of the year. Uh, I grew up in a church where we would pass the plates. Maybe you did as well. And when I was a kid, I sort of had this view of giving as an obligation or something I had to do. Even passing the plates, there'd sort of be a level of pride, you know. You'd sort of look and you'd be like, look at this. I put a little bit in the plate. It was $2. Uh, but there can be this sense at churches of this obligation that I give because I have to. Uh, but then years later, I happened to take a trip to uh, a partner that our, my church was partnering with at the time, and we went to this, uh, uh, this school, and as I was visiting this school, they let us know that this school was supported by our church. And for the first time ever, I don't know what took me so long, but I finally made the connection. It was from our giving at our church that this was the ministry, this was the hands and feet of Jesus that was taking place. And this is uh, why we are called to give. Uh, I've been praying a lot for this season at Highway Community. I've been looking at a lot of the prayers you have written down, been praying with you. And I don't know about you, but I'm hopeful, I'm expectant of what God wants to do through us in this season. And this is the reason we want to give and be generous not out of obligation, because we long to see this community be the hands and feet of Jesus. And in the new year, we're actually going to talk, uh, our sermon series is going to be uh, about our missional endeavors, because that's part of the heartbeat of our church. And so we're going to highlight a lot of the things we're doing in the community. And we say this every week, but this can only happen through your generosity. And so at the end of this year, I do want to encourage you to fund our ministry, but also not out of obligation or have to, but out of a desire uh, to support what Jesus is doing in our community. Okay? All right, you can get back off your phones. And we can get started. <laughs> All right, we're in our second week of our Advent series, simply called uh, He Will Be Called. And last week, we looked at this first name uh, that is listed by the prophet Isaiah. And the prophet Isaiah says, Wonderful Counselor. And I hope this week you've practiced some of these breath prayers that we talked about. Uh, I definitely did as a way to become more aware that this spiritual counselor is available wherever I go. Uh, but today, we're going to look at the next name. So this is what the prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah 9, 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. Let's all read this out loud together. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
And so we looked at wonderful counselor. Now we're looking at mighty God. Now the two Hebrew words that uh, make up this name are gabor, which means like valor, strength, power, and then el, which simply means God. Uh, so the, the phrase is El Gabor. Let's all say that out loud together. El Gabor. As I was studying this week, it sort of reminds me of like a delicious taco truck for some reason. Anybody else? <laughs> I'm, I know. You got to get, you, you have me now and you're stuck with me. These are the kind of jokes you get. And so today we're going to talk about the power of Jesus. And when we talk about the power, when we get to the heart of this power, we realize it's actually a paradox. So today we're going to talk about this paradox of power. Now, let's talk about paradoxes for a second. A paradox is where there are two seemingly contradictory things that are, in fact, true. Uh, A a couple of examples of paradoxes. Uh, How about this one? The more you know the less you know. The more you know, the less you know. Seemingly contradictory, but when I hear that phrase, I don't know about you, I say amen. Uh, When I was in high school, I knew so much stuff. I could have told you about politics and the way the world could work. Uh, And then in my 20s, I was uh, serving in student ministries, and I knew so much about parenting. I could have written a book about how you were doing your parenting wrong. Uh, Then... I had kids. (laughs) And over time, as I've grown, I've learned more and more. And I realize the more I know, the less I know. It's a paradox. Another paradox, it is the pursuit of happiness that is often the cause of our unhappiness, right? It seems a little contradictory, but it's a perfect truth for Christmas and our American culture because kids are perfectly content with their toys until they realize they can ask for more toys at Christmas, right? And it's this pursuit and this expectation of more on Christmas Day. They either get that thing and it doesn't fulfill them or they don't get it and then they're dissatisfied. It's that longing, it's the pursuit that actually causes the unhappiness, and we know that as adults. It's a perfect paradox. And Jesus was a paradoxical person and a paradoxical teacher. At one point, he says this, if you want to save your life, you must what? Lose it. That doesn't make sense. It's paradoxical. At one point, he says, my yoke is easy. Then at other times, he says, you have to carry the cross. Narrow is the road. He sort of talks about how hard it is to follow him. Which one is it? Uh, Maybe the biggest paradox of all, uh, Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. It's a paradox. It's a contrast. doesn't make sense. And this concept of mighty God is no different. And so uh, let's talk about this paradox of power. I want to start by talking about the awesome might of God. A year and a half ago, Lori and I got to go to Maui for our 15-year anniversary. Uh, You don't have to clap. It's okay. (laughs) I mean, 15 years is a pretty big deal. I don't know. Uh, But we went down the road to Hana. And some of you have done that before. It's sort of like this beautiful road that it's choose your own adventure kind of thing. But it's usually packed with tourists. Uh, but we found this one place where there's a waterfall. We, wa- we hiked down and there's nobody. We were completely by ourselves at this waterfall. I actually have a little video uh, of me swimming in it. If we can just show it real quick. 
I'm the little person out there. Yeah, just look at that. It was Lori and I by ourselves for like 45 minutes. And I can still remember sitting under this waterfall, the powerful ice cold water coming down and looking up at the cliffs and the trees and being awe struck, being awe struck. This happens with me sometimes with creation, uh, the Rocky Mountains, the Redwoods, Grand Canyon, Pacific Ocean, where I am reminded of how insignificant, how small I am and how powerful God is. I'm sure this has happened with you before, where you've been in some kind of piece of creation in nature and you've become aware of the mightiness of God. So if you'll humor me for a second, I want to invite you to close your eyes right now and just sort of imagine one of those moments. Think back, redwoods, ocean, mountains, sort of put yourself in that place. As you do that, I want to read you this verse from the psalmist. The Lord is king. He's robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He is girded with strength. He's established the world. It shall never be moved. More majestic than the thunders of mighty waters. More majestic than the waves of the sea. Majestic on high is the Lord. You could open your eyes again. See, the reality is this. Jesus is not just an eight-pound, six-ounce baby, a human that used to live, but Jesus is the creator of all this, the creator of this majesty. This is one of the paradoxes. Jesus is God. He was there in the beginning. Apostle Paul says at one point, for in him all things in heaven and earth were created, things visible, invisible, dominions, rulers, powers, all things have been created through him and for him. The stars, the mountains, the oceans, that moment as you closed your eyes, that moment was created by Jesus This is our God, mighty and powerful beyond comprehension. And then Jesus displayed this power on earth, right? We see story after story of him healing, uh, performing miracles, casting out demons over and over again. We see people amazed by these miracles. And then the greatest display of power ever, uh, Jesus defeated death. He rose from the grave. The resurrection was uh, the greatest display of his power. But for us, what does this matter to us? These are good thoughts, but what difference does it matter to us? At one point, uh, the Apostle Paul was writing to a, a small church similar to our church, and he was talking about what he was praying for. And he says this, he says, I pray that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious, glorious inheritance among the saints? The immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So what is he saying? He's saying this resurrection power is available 
to followers of Jesus. We can access and live in this resurrection power. We don't have to just admire it from a distance. We can actually live in it wherever we are. The question this morning, maybe you're asking this question like, do do I really believe this? Is this really true? Maybe you're newer to faith. Maybe you're walking in and you're just not sure about all of this. Can this really happen? Is this possible? Well, if we look at the Bible and the history of our faith, we see examples and evidence of people who have walked in this power, this resurrection power. I've got a list I just want to walk through briefly. And as I go through this list, I want you to to look at it and just wonder where in my life do I need this power? Uh, The first list, we can see this. We can see uh, injustice. Followers of Jesus time and time again have faced uh, oppression. They've taken the courage and boldness of Jesus to fight against uh, unjust rulers and systems. Uh, And we need that power today because injustice is still around. Uh, There's a a group called IJM. Some of you might know them. International Justice Mission. They go across the world uh, helping rescue people from human trafficking. What you might not know is that every morning, those who work in this this company, they take a moment at 8 a.m. to pray together because they know if they are going to fight this injustice, they need the power of Jesus. Uh, Perseverance. Uh, Time and time again, followers of Jesus have faced persecution and difficulty, horrible circumstances, and have found the courage from Jesus to get up again, to not give up. Maybe this is you this morning. Maybe you you wouldn't say this out loud to anybody, but you uh, have uh, have a hard time having the power to just get out of bed. Maybe you're facing some kind of difficulty circumstance uh, where it just constantly feels like you want to quit. And you need a supernatural power. Uh, Then we have the character. Amidst like the pressures of culture, the pressures of this world, followers of Jesus have found the power uh, to hold firm, to have integrity, to care more about the kingdom of Jesus than the world. Uh, Not having a fear of others. Proverbs says, fear of man will prove to be a snare. And over and over again, followers of Jesus have found ways to care more about Jesus than others. And then uh, followers of Jesus have found ways to either quit or start. To quit uh, addictions, habits, toxic relationships, or to start new endeavors, to start new seasons, new relationships. So as I look through those, my question to you is, what area of your life would you say, I could use some strength, I could use some power? Where would you say, if only I had the courage I would do this. If only I had a little more power or boldness, I would do that. So like last week, we want to put put this into practice and remind ourselves of the availability of this power, uh, becoming more aware of his of his presence by practicing breath prayers. And uh, so we're, we're going to take a pause and we're going to practice one of these breath prayers right now. Uh, we're going to breathe in mighty God, and then we're going to breathe out, fill me with your resurrection power. So let's actually just practice this together right now. So breathe in, mighty God, breathe out, fill me with your resurrection power. 
Let's try that again. Breathe in, mighty God. And we breathe out, fill me with your resurrection power. These are prayers that we can practice throughout our week, uh, that we can remember that his power is with us. So that's the power of Jesus and how it can play out in our lives. Uh, But that's not all. Uh, Now we get to the paradox of power. Because if we're not careful, we can look at power through the lens of our culture. Uh, When I was a kid, there was this popular shirt that was based on a a gym in Los Angeles. And the shirt was uh, simply said, Lord's Gym. Anybody remember these shirts at all? The subtitle says, bench press this. (laughs) Sounds a lot like Jesus, right? Uh, I don't know like what kind of weightlifting equipment they had in the modern world or the ancient world, <laughs> or uh, like if there were protein, there's protein in the bread of the Lord's Supper. Um, but he's ripped. Jesus is ripped in that. Uh, there's also, when I was a kid, there's this traveling group of Christian powerlifters. They were called the Power Team. Some of you might remember this. I got a picture of them, the Power Team, and they would wear these skimpy tank tops. And they'd rip across, uh, rip apart um, phone books, and they'd break bats, and they'd slam like these cement, cement blocks. And I went to see them live, and it was, I know, and it was magical. It was magical. Uh, like, this is funny, and this is absurd, but there can be a tendency for us to think that this is what power is about. Not muscles and physical strength, but often we think about power through the lens of our culture. We think about power as being influence and control. We think about power as being able to have what I want when it comes to policies in our government. We think of power as having enough success, accomplishments, status to be able to do and say what I want to say to be able to, be able to control. Because in our culture, this is what it means to be powerful, right? To hold a seat of influence and clout. But what did Jesus' power look like? See, in the middle of the Christmas season, we celebrate this birth of Jesus, but often we miss the context. Uh, Jesus was born in the middle of uh, being surrounded by a powerful empire. Uh, Israel was under the strong arm, the watchful eye of the Roman Empire, and it influenced everything around them. And this was nothing new for Israel. For many years, they have been in captivity from different empires. And so for year after year, there was this expectation, longing, one day there'll be a Messiah. And this Messiah will be a conquering king. This Messiah will have the power to restore Israel back to greatness. And this is the paradox of Christmas, the season we celebrate Because when this Messiah finally came, uh, this Messiah came as a baby born to uh, some average parents in a no-name town, was born in a manger uh, with farm animals. And side note, just this past week, my, my daughter had a soccer tournament in Modesto. And when she got there, she said, what is that smell? And we were like, that's what it's like to live in the country. (laughs) Those are cows. Those are farm animals. And this is where Jesus was born, the conquering king, the powerful creator of the universe, born in 
average, no-name situation. And then throughout his life, like there was this expectation of many that he would conquer, that he would show off his power, like his disciples over and over again. It seems like they're saying, like, when are you going to do the conquering thing? And over and over again, he tries to teach him, that's not what I came to do. This expectation was so high, so much so that like Satan uses this expectation to tempt Jesus. At one point, the devil took Jesus to a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give to you if you'll fall down and worship me. In our modern context, we can read a story like this And we can ask the question, like, really? Did that really happen? Like, Satan, Jesus talking together? That's pretty absurd. But it's not absurd because this is what happens to us today, right? How often are you tempted uh, with this thought, if I could just control that? How often do you see a leader or a boss or a purse of influence and you just think, ooh, if I had that title or that position, You wouldn't say it out loud to anybody, but maybe internally you just have thought to yourself, I just need more influence. I need more status. I want people to honor, respect, admire me. This is the human condition, this hunger for power, this hunger uh, to have more influence. We see example after example, politicians who claim to want to do good for the world, but seem to live more about their own agenda and their status. Business leaders who care less about the mission of their company and more about their ego. Uh, There's even a job now where you can just be an influencer. I was talking to some junior high kids a few years ago and asked them what they wanted to be when they grew up. And like the amount of people that said, I want to be a YouTube influencer. I was like, what, well, cool. How do you want to influence people? I don't know. Just want to influence them. I was like, okay, that's a job. Uh, this can happen with pastors. I'm like at the cross in the crosshairs right here. How, it's not even news anymore to hear about a pastor who has had some kind of scandal, who has had some kind of moral breakdown, often because of a desire for power or ego. This is the human condition, age-old temptation And Jesus was fully human, so he would have had this temptation. Uh, But Jesus says to the evil one, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God, serve only him. And the word serve sticks out. This is the heart of the paradox of power, the creator of the universe, majesty. How did he show his power? At this beautiful portion of scripture, the apostle Paul says, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. I know no one in here would do this, but I've seen people use their power for their own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is who we follow. This is the mighty God who made himself nothing. He gave his life. 
He didn't hoard or manipulate or grasp or control. He released. There's this profound truth where the world tells us that power is having more, having a lot, influence, status, titles, and the way of Jesus is upside down to that. It's counter to that. It's releasing. This is the way. For those of us who call ourselves disciples of Jesus, we're to serve him by serving others. A few weeks ago, I was playing the game Shoots Shoots and Ladders with my son, and it's a game of great strategy and intellectual rigor. (laughs) And as I was playing with Jude, it sort of hit me like, like this is the game that our world plays, right? Who can climb the fastest? Who can get to the top? In your jobs, in your spheres, it's all a game of climbing upward, right? And it's a bummer if you get a shoot because you slide all the way down, you lose your progress, you lose what you've gained, and others get ahead of you. And Jesus refused to play the game of the world by its rules. Jesus slid down, giving up what he had gained, giving up uh, his progress and allowing others to get ahead. In a world of climbing up, Jesus slid down. This is the paradox of power. So to end our time, we're going to do one last breath breath prayer that you can employ this week in your relationships when you feel the temptation to strive for control in your job, when you feel the temptation to have more and more and more, we can pray this breath prayer. So we're going to breathe in mighty God. And we're going to breathe out. I release my power to serve. Let's practice together. We breathe in mighty God. We breathe out. I release my power to serve. Let's pray together. Mighty God, Jesus, creator, full of majesty and glory, strength, we honor you. We worship you. I pray for this community. I pray that we would be filled with your resurrection power as we go about our lives in areas where we need to confront injustice, where we need to stand up uh, for those who don't have a voice. Would you give us boldness? Would you give us courage? Help us to understand this power. Then Jesus, would you give us a vision and an image for a power that is different than the world's? I pray for this community. I pray that we would be known amongst our neighbors, our coworkers, as the kind of people who release their power, that release the need to hold on, to grasp. And instead, this community would be known for serving. And I pray through that, that we would be able to uh, show people the kingdom of Jesus in this world. So in Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.